0: horses are at the gate and they're off welcome to winning ponies with a weekend coming up this is the spot to be for news handicapping and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today now here's your host john Engelhart, racing's regular guy
1: all right and this should be an exciting show because if you're listening to this you know that it is breeders cup weekend, shall we call it, Friday and Saturday. And uh, we got a little surprise for you. The uh, Travers contest was successful. We decided we're going to put up a Breeders' Cup Classic contest. Give us your top four selections. Uh, first prize will be $150 cash. After that, we're going to give you winning credits for uh, some of the great products that we have here on Winning Ponies, 75 uh, winning credits for second, 25 for third, and then we... uh through the uh, uh, Curtis Cody, our friend there, Cody Photography, we've got uh, Wise Dan uh, photos in fourth and fifth. And also we're going to give out some winning ponies hats for the time of the race, the best one. So give us your top four and the time of the race, and we will get your gifts off to you. You want to use those uh, easy fig sheets. Had some big hits uh, this week, just a couple of them at Mountaineer. Uh, we had a Superfecta for over 2600 Uh Then we had a Trifecta at Parks on Tuesday for 238 Eighty, And then also earlier in the week, a super high five at Mountaineer for $464. So it's Breeders' Cup week. You definitely want to get on the Winning Ponies website and pull down the fig sheets. Okay, well, it will be the 30th running of the Breeders' Cup. And uh, not sure where you are listening from, but uh, uh, the schedule is uh, on television if you've got the NBC Sports Network. On Friday it'll be from four to eight. On Saturday it'll be from three thirty to eight. Now that's on the NBC Sports Network. And then on Saturday, NBC in prime time takes over from eight to nine. So that that's that's the Breeders Cup schedule on television. And uh uh, Horse Racing Radio Network, if uh, you, you need to uh, listen that way. Of course, their Eclipse Award-winning group, uh, some great people work on it. Uh, they're going to have, uh, throughout the week, uh, the uh, Santa Anita Clockers Corner uh, from 11 to 1. Uh, of course, that will be a countdown to the Breeders' Cup. Uh, on Friday and Saturday, they'll be back with live coverage uh Coverage airs Friday from 4.30 to 8 in the evening. That's Eastern Standard Time. And Saturday, they'll be on all the way from 3 to 9. Now they're going to have all kinds of different guests. And you ask, how do I get a hold of this? Well, you can go to SiriusXM Satellite Radio or on your computer, www.horseracingradio.net. We don't want anybody to, uh, to miss the, uh, the Breeders Cup. Now, on Winning Ponies, as you know, we try to bring you the best, and we think we've reached out from coast to coast. Uh, my New York connection, who will be telling us about the uh, most impressive moves that he's seen of the horses that are going to be in the Breeders' Cup that came out of the Naira schedule will be none other than Eric Wing, uh, not only the head of the Communications Department NIRA, Naira, but one heck of a handicapper. Now we're going to go down to one of my favorite writers, Gary West, and Gary is out west, and so we'll, uh, we'll get his view. Also, if you go to ESPN.com, Gary wrote a very interesting article you may want to take a look at. Gary also, an excellent handicapper. You may remember we had him on uh, when the uh, Kentucky Downs meet was going on, and he's just an amazing analyst of, of horse racing. And then at the end, a guy that's qualified for the National Handicap Championship 10 years, none other than Rich Nielsen. Rich also created the website A Game of Skill. He had a very interesting article up there this week too. You could probably go up and check that at at com. So those will be our three guests tonight. Uh, Let's take a look at some of the names in the news. Uh, Looks like you better be watching the Breeders' Cup because some of those horses you're never going to see on the track again. It looks like uh, grade one winner Painter. Of course, uh, the amazing story that he's had from near death to come back to being a, a stakes horse, It looks like he's going to go to Windstar Farm in Versailles, Kentucky. Uh, He's currently on track. looks like he's going to go in the Breeders' Cup Classic. He's taken on the best of the best in his swan song, of course, uh, trained by Bob Baffert. Uh, He skipped the first two legs of the Triple Crown as a three-year-old, but then he caught up and uh, really put on some sensational uh, performances. Uh, His three-and-a-half-length victory in the Haskell Invitational was off, awesome. And then it was after that, it was uh, when he had the fight of his life, and uh, he almost died of more than one uh, uh, different ailment and came back. It was voted the NTRA moment of the year, his comeback. And, and since then, he had a four-and-a-half-length win at Hollywood Park, and he also uh, was runner-up in the grade one awesome again stakes and the San Diego handicap that was a grade two. So Painter will be making his swan song in the classic and they say he looks like a monster and uh no uh stud fee has been announced yet that'll be given out at a later date. So uh, he is a good looking horse he sold for 325,000 retired with over 1.1 million. We'll see if he can add to that on Saturday. Also your last look this week for Verizano, he's going to be retired after the Breeders Cup Dirt Mile, two-time grade winning, a uh, 3-year-old, they had to say he's going to be in my opinion rushed away to stud a bit too fast uh, he's going to be standing the breeding season at ashford stud the american division of coolmore stud of course they're based in ireland uh, he's so far won six of eight starts and earned over 1.56 million and he also a Haskell Invitational winner. That was probably the best race of his career. He had a huge buyer figure out of that, a 116 buyer that earned him the highest by a three-year-old this year. It'll be very, very interesting to see how he goes in the mile. He's going to join his old stablemate Shanghai Body at Bobby, rather at Ashford Stud. Uh, we're losing another one overseas, it looks like. looks like Hard Spun is going to go to Darley, Japan. Uh, he is uh, a 9-year-old son of Danzig, uh, had a very good career on the track that came from that really notable 3-year-old class of 2007 that included horses like Curlin, Rags to Riches, and Derby winner Street Sense, uh, Hardspun retired with uh, seven wins from 13 starts, very consistent. Uh, he was trained uh, by Larry Jones, and it looks like he's going to join uh, another American horse, Pyro, over there in Japan. And uh, let's see, if you're thinking about uh, breeding your mare to some other stallions, Malibu moo's going to cost you a little bit more. Of course, when you sire a derby winner, that often happens. His fee is going to 95000 for for and. For, I believe he was advertised for 70000 last year. But uh, it looks like uh, Spendthrift, in, in upping his, is keeping um, many the same. And actually, uh, the Spendthrift roster will reduce uh, stud fees for six of their horses. And Spendthrift, who's been very active, they've been on Winning Ponies before, talking about their uh, share of the plan, uh, are going to stand five new stallions, awesome Patriot, uh, the grade three Full brother to Preakness Stakes winner Oxbow, uh, Grade 1 winner Jimmy Creed, and Liaison, the very fast horse. Uh, Overanalyze, he is going to stud. Of course, he won the, the Arkansas Derby this year, and uh, the, uh, will announce at Windstar Farm his fee. It looks like they're looking at about a $10,000 fee, and he's part of the Big Dream program that offers you a chance to earn a lifetime breeding right if you get two live foals that stand a nurse. Uh, overanalyze, again, grade one winner of the Arkansas Derby. Looks like he will be retired. Uh, sad to say, we will not get a chance to see points off the bench. Uh, he uh, suffered a uh, life... Uh, ending injury in a workout last Saturday at Santa Anita uh, gave trainer Tim Yankton his first grade one victory. Uh, he was going to go in the Express Bet Breeders' Cup sprint, four-year-old gelding. Um, sad to say that he will not be there. Okay let's see we got uh wound up some titles here. Uh, Chad Brown, for the second straight year, reigned as the leading trainer during the Belmont fall meet with 26 wins. Javier Castellano, a very strong finish. He won 55 races to his third straight Naira, top of the jock record. So uh, Castellano, very, very hot right now. We'll have to watch him over the weekend. Um, Keeneland race finished second in the trainer standings, two more than Todd Pletcher. Believe it or not, leading owner was Darley Stable. And while we're looking at end of the season stats, Rosie Napravnik became the first female to win a Keeneland riding title. Uh, she won 17 races to become the first female to do that at Keeneland. And Ken and Sarah Ramsey earned their 13th leading owner title after winning 17 races a fall meet. Record, so congratulations to the Ramses and to Rosie. Of course, with the Ramses winning, that means Mike Maker was the top trainer by quite a stretch. Uh, we need to uh, quick take a look at uh, some of the uh, races that that we handicapped last week. Some of the bigger races there, uh, the very evenly bet Hagar Fayette. Of course, Dan Kenny was our uh, guest uh, handicapper. Uh, the winner. In that race was nice long shot. This horse finished second the Fayette last year. Nikki's Sandcastle at eleven to one. Second was Winning Cause, and third was the two. You know, I know. And then out at Santa Anita, uh, this race was on Sunday. It was the Autumn Miss. And the winner in there was the horse I picked, and of course it only paid 4.80. Gary Stevens in the saddle was off a little bit slow in three wide, took the lead in the stretch, but got home. So Wishing Gate got the job done in the Grade Three Autumn Miss. Uh, second on the outside was Journey On, and third was the eight Charlie M. Other races that we took a look at were the. Race for horses that we'll probably see in the uh, Delta Downs jackpot. And uh, the winner in here was Rise Up, Tom Amos, trainee, uh, previously trained by Tim Hamm. Uh, ran in the Iroquois, got tired, and finished sixth. They came back huge and won by six-and-a-half lengths. Behind him at 15-to-one was Mighty Brown, who won by seven-and-a-quarter. And they're running um, uh, Fourth was flat, gone at 10-to-1. The favorite, Burning here had a big lead and faded, so there will be some two-year-olds that we're going to want to keep, keep an eye on. And a lot of people always wonder why they run these big races up in Canada just before the Breeders' Cup. I know they tried to space them out a little bit better last uh, season, I believe it was, so some of these horses could go on to the Breeders' Cup, but some trainers might be trying to dodge their own horses in there. Uh, it was Joshua Tree who won the Canadian International last year, coming back from France to win it this year at 6-1. to Second was the one Hyper, and third, it was an Irish horse, Seismos. And then up at Woodbine, the grade one, half a million dollar E.P. Taylor, it went to the two-to-one favorite, Tannery, who just held on by a head. Beautiful ride by Joel Rosario. Second was the Irish-bred Fitful Skies, and third was the five moment in time i know my mother would have had that trifecta all three horses were bred in ireland all right well that's a quick look at last week now we look forward to the future to the breeders cup starting on friday with us our first handicapper from new york it's going to be eric wing you are listening to winning ponies
2: internet flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off
0: what can't make it to the track You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit marchofdimes.com. time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter.
2: The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly
1: ball deep right field. thought goes O'Neal. He's Tough shot. got it With 2.8 seconds He's left. left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here.
0: From high school to the pros, we, we, cover, everything. we cover everything.
2: Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
1: All right, before we introduce our New York Handicapper, I want to remind everybody we've got a free contest going on at winningponies.com. Give us your top four picks in the Breeders' Cup Classic, and the prizes will be listed on the website. And with no further ado, I bring on a gentleman that I've called upon many times, and he's always been able to, to join us here on Winning Ponies uh, from the New York Racing Association now, uh, my friend and good handicapper, Eric Wang. Eric, how are you? I'm great. How are you tonight, John? I am confused. I'm bedazzled. I don't know what to do. I, I look at some of these races and well let let's face it, you know, what the Breeders Cup does is draws the best horses in, in every single division. I think that almost exists except for like a quarter horse race. Uh and uh it's 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 uh it, it's pretty awesome. It'll it'll be fun because I think there obviously there's a lot of championship uh contenders that are going to be out there. Uh, the horse of the year should be determined. Uh, you've just got some stellar uh, races. It's kind of neat to see the fact that I believe nine winners of Breeders' Cup races last year are back to compete this year.
3: Yeah, it, 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 it's all of the above. I think almost every horse you would have wanted to see come is here, with the possible exception of the New York uh, Philly Sprinter Cluster of Stars. Who elected to run on New York Showcase Day. Had she been in the Philly and Mayor Sprint, I think she would have been the favorite. But, um other than that, everybody, um uh, RSVP'd and, and is on hand. And that's, that's what you want. And, and, uh, the, the titles will be determined where they should be on the racetrack in all likelihood.
1: The only other horse that I would say I would have liked to have seen in one of the races, and it's the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, is, is that horse, Honor Code, who looked like he was really closing hard on Havana, who looks like is the Morning Line favorite. Uh,
3: great, great one, John. Yeah, I forgot about him. Uh, I think he would be the favorite as well um, if he had run, even though he finished uh, a hair behind uh, Havana, but he was closing like a freight train. um Going very wide. Now he had a, a hot pace set by Havana to run into, but um... he's obviously an exciting prospect and, you know, Suge, having tasted, uh, Kentucky Derby success this year is, uh, you know, I'm sure would love to do it again and maybe, uh, he doesn't see that uh, a ship out west at the end of a two-year-old year is conducive to that ultimate goal. So unfortunately he won't be there. Um, uh, on the other side of the coin, that race is still uh, a, a tough one to handicap, and is and a delicious betting race, uh, even in Honor Code's absence.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. As a matter of fact, I think it was one of your press releases that I read where uh, Suge is looking down the road that he was so impressed with Honor Code. It's like, you know, I got a ship out there. I got to run on a different surface. I think I know what I got here. I'm, I'm going to maybe take things easy and see if uh, I can't wear the roses again with this horse. Like you said, I think it left a good taste in his mouth. Well, is this one of the races you'd, l- you'd like to address? I kind of, I threw it out to all three handicappers. I said, well, just talk a little bit about the Breeders' Cup, and then just kind of tell me what races of interest, uh, you know, have kind of peaked your your handicapping skills the
3: best. Um, it probably wouldn't be the sprint, I mean, excuse me, the juvenile there are a couple on Friday I find very interesting and, and I, and I guess I find most interesting those races where I like long shots because um you know, in 14 races, if you can, if you can grab almost one long shot, it could make your weekend. Um in the, uh, in the uh, eighth race, <clears throat> there's a horse I'm intrigued by named Tap Town who comes out of a rather uh, you know, an ungraded stakes at Indiana Downs, um, and and therefore I don't think is going to attract very much attention betting. Um, but given the fact that the the most accomplished horses in that two-turn mile have drawn the outside slots, um, I uh, and given the fact that Tap Town is a solid horse, you know, a, a bona fide triple-digit buyer horse. And John, I'm here to tell you. That that this horse ran on the mother of all dead rails at, at, at Indiana Downs on Indiana Derby Day. Uh huh. Um, he was opening up on the field, dropped over to the rail under Calvin, and just dropped anchor. And then, um, perhaps not surprisingly, about a half hour, or an hour later, Fifty Shades of Hay did the exact same thing at two to five. Right. Uh, this horse is better than he looks on paper, and. I'm not saying he's going to beat Verrazano if that horse somehow manages to save ground and fires his A race he's going to be tough but as a horse who's going to be you know at least 15-20 to 1 um I think that horse is very live in the dirt mile the other I'd, lo- uh, well, I'd horse love to see it for Friday, a couple reasons uh, I'm that, sorry John? I
1: interrupted your last part what did you say
3: Oh I was just saying that that horse is going to be uh, at least 15 or 20 to 1 and is live and and uh, folks in New Orleans or the Midwest, um, for, for those people, Tim Gleishaw, the trainer, doesn't really need any introduction. He's not as familiar to racing fans on either of the coasts, but he's uh, he's a sharp trainer.
1: Yeah, he, you know it's funny. That's rare, That's rare, exactly where I was going. You know, he's he's not he's not a headline guy, but if you if you know him, you know he he he, stu- he studied very well under the the dean of trainers out at uh, Oaklawn Park, uh, who passed away two years ago. His name's eluding me right now. Um, but uh, yeah, he paid his due. His wife Natalie's an excellent equine photographer. And sad to say, we're not going to see Calvin Burrell in the saddle. But we are going to see another really nice, exciting young jockey. It looks like Brian Hernandez picked up the mount. So you know, I just I, I'd be rooting for those guys because they all came up the hard way. I guess they'd be, in some respect, considered the little guys in here.
3: Yeah, exactly. And you know. <laughs> and for a little guy in Brian Hernandez you're talking about the guy who won the breeder's cup classic last year so yeah um, yeah i mean he had, he had, he a, had a career good the year of a good, lifetime, there's no doubt about it good memories where he's concerned at santa anita that's for sure
1: uh, i I knew I knew his wife well. She was a Gallup girl at River Downs for many a year from the famed Radasevich family. They're uh, icons in Ohio. Well, um, from from there, I mean, th- there's got to be a, a couple other races that uh, it's just certainly I'd like to hear you you, you speak to. Uh, on on Saturday, and with that said, let me go right to the top, because I know it's a race you can't avoid looking at, and that is uh, the Breeders' Cup Classic, because we're having a contest uh, on winning ponies, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that would like to get your input. This is a great race. i got a feeling at the eighth pole you'll be able to throw a blanket over the whole field.
3: It's a terrific race, even with the the scratch of Ron the Greek, who has the quarter crack and won't start, but... um... Yeah, the favorite will unlike uh, undoubtedly be Game On Dude despite his uh poor performance in last year's classic he's a perfect 5 for 5 this year and is probably the in the in the he along with Wise Dan would be the two most likely horse of the year candidates going into uh Saturday um i'm intrigued by a couple of horses in addition to Game On Dude um, and they both come out of the same race, the Awesome again at Santa Anita. Uh, first off, the winner, Mucho Macho Man, who was wide and still won powerfully. Um, and the thing that's interesting, in my opinion, John, now you think of Mucho Macho Man as an East Coast-based horse, you know, Kathy Ritvo, Florida, Jersey, that type of thing. If you just um, kind of objectively look at his form. You could look at this horse and say, gosh, I know he's based elsewhere, but he could be like a Santa Anita horse for course. By far the two best races he's run in his career were both at Santa Anita. And I remember being fairly shocked last year. I didn't think he could get a mile and a quarter in the Classic last year. And he he ran uh Fort Larned to, you know, within a half a length of winning that race, and he never quit. And his, uh, his race in the Austin again was almost as good so i I think mucho macho man might be the play Um, i'm also not giving up on painter his his foray to new york to saratoga for the woodward was a a muddy disaster Um, i was impressed by his run behind mucho macho man in the awesome again he didn't really run his race he got stuck behind and he wound up wide and giving ground but he was he was really running well at the end more so than the four and a quarter length margin might indicate. And when you look at a horse who's circling back, I think if the horse wasn't doing really well, Baffert wouldn't run him. And uh, I look for him to run a very good race and, and maybe even uh, contend for the victory.
1: Well, it'll be a great swan song. As you know, it's already been announced that this will be his last career race, and it certainly, I'm sure somewhere along the line, there'll probably be a, a book written about him. Um, and again, though, you, you alluded right off the top to, to Game On Dude. I mean, I, I had multiple tickets going to him last year, and when the gates opened and he stumbled, my heart just dropped. And then we started to make a little bit of, bit of a mood and move, and he you got you got blocked at the seventh ace pole and it's like this just isn't my day or game on dudes but certainly a horse for course uh seven for eight at Santa Anita and I'm sure he'll go off the favorite but uh, you know people are gonna you know like I said there's so many good horses last year's winners Fort Larned is in there again I don't foresee him getting the uh the the perfect trip that he got last year but we still got a couple minutes Eric I'm wondering if there's there's another race of, of interest that you'd like to address
3: uh... There's a there's a sneaky horse tomorrow that I'm going to play, um, and it's in the Juvenile Phillies Turf, and this is a New York Ooh. horse, so maybe I'm being a little bit parochial, but it, it, this is a race. Whereas in most of the grass races, the Europeans are going to be very formidable. Yeah, I'm going to call your attention to a twenty to one morning line shot named Granny Max Kitch Kitten. Love um, it. He ran on the face of it what looks like a, an uncompelling fourth in the Miss Grillo. I will tell you that the horse had missed a work prior to that Miss Grillo and also that the pace was very hot. People looking at that race will note that the first, second, and third horses are all in this race and all came from way back. Granny Mac's kitten uh, was much closer to the pace and tired a little bit late. But I think it's worth pointing out that Ken, Ken and Sarah Ramsey already had another horse in this race in kitten caboodle. And Chad Brown, the trainer, has three other horses in this race. So it's not like either one of them was hurting for action. And yet they saw fit to to ship this fourth-place Miss Grillo finisher all the way to Santa Anita to run in this race. I think they know that what people saw in the Miss Grillo was not a true bill of goods. And I expect this horse, especially with a nice number five post position, to really outrun his odds. And I'll I'll be, I'll be backing him tomorrow, her tomorrow.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. One thing I've learned over the last two seasons is I never shy away from a horse that has the sire kittens joy that's going on the turf.
3: And and Ken Ramsey, as the owner, doesn't hurt either. He seems to win every race. Oh, it just this guy's unbelievable.
1: I mean, he, he he's walking on clouds. Uh well, it looks like uh my producer just says, uh, "Looks like I got 2 minutes to the break. I want to get your read on the uh the 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 distaff I mean, what an interesting mix of horses. The horse for course beholder, yeah, she's she's three. You've got the amazing champion Royal Delta going for three in a row. But then you've got the upsetter of her whose connections said they weren't coming after she won the Beldame that changed their mind and decided to ship over. There's going to be a great story coming out of this race.
3: Yeah, it's... It, it's, you have to say that there are five horses that could win out of the six. I mean, I'd be shocked if Street Girl hit the board. But um, <clears throat> Princess of Silmar, it's kind of like a tack-on race for her. They were, weren't planning to come, but now they're here. And if they were to get lucky based on results on Saturday, she could be a contender for Horse of the Year. Beholder ran perfectly well and is, is showed a lot of grit and determination winning the Zenyatta. Royal Delton needs no introduction despite the loss last, last out to, uh, Princess of Silmar. I, I tell you also, John, don't overlook close hatch, close hatches. Yeah. If she runs back to her mother goose, that was a powerful, powerful, powerful performance. She's also beaten Princess of Silmar earlier in the year, so it's, it's hardly as if she's outclassed. Um, and if there's some sort of speed duel that, that takes place up front, between Beholder, Royal Delta, and, and look at those works. Authenticity is showing very unpleasure like to see a horse work three straight half miles, 46 and one, 47 flat, 46 and one. I'm speculating that they've sharpened that horse up. They want to get her in the game, and if she if that is the case, she could be setting it up for a closer, a la Princess of Silmar, who. Oh, by the way, is also trained by Todd Pletcher, but also maybe for close hatches. So I don't feel strongly about any one of them. I don't know how you can begrudge Royal Delta or Princess of Silmar or anything, but I think close hatches might be the sleeper in what is a very uh, well-matched field well
1: as you know uh... what many people learned two weeks ago uh... when uh... they watched ron the greek upset the field in new york don't underestimate mott when he's
3: got two horses in a race heck don't underestimate mott at any time and and, and most particularly john we've seen over and over again i i'm hard-pressed to think of a trainer who's better at pointing to an event than mott Um and it, you know, whether it's Drosselmeyer or, or last year, you know, with the last couple of years with Royal Delta, he gets them to fire their best shot when it matters the most. And, um, and especially in these marquee races like the distaff and the classic. So, yeah, I would, I would fear both Royal Delta and close hatches and I expect them both to be in the top three.
1: All right. Well, we've been talking with Eric Wing uh, from the New York Racing Association. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show, and I hope you cash some big tickets over the weekend, Eric. Thanks for your insight.
3: Always a pleasure, John. I hope you cash a bunch yourself.
1: <laughs> I'll be doing my best with what I've got. All right, coming up next is Gary West, who's going to give us his perspective. Remember, we got a handicapping contest coming up on winningponies.com on the Breeders' Cup Classic. Thanks for listening. Gary West is up next. Oh.
2: Flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off!
0: What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com.
1: All right, and with me now is Gary West. I got so much positive feedback when uh, he was on the show with me not too long ago from Kentucky Downs that I thought I'd reach out to him again. Uh, I didn't really uh, know 100% sure if he was going to be at the track, but uh, Gary is actually at Santa Anita, and I'm imposing on him as I'm taking him away from the press party. Uh, Gary, thanks so much uh, for being with us. I really enjoyed your recent article on ESPN.com
2: well thank you i and don't feel guilty about taking me away from the press party. I really had no intentions of attending the press party, but um I just happened to get off the elevator and realized I was in the middle of it uh right here <laughs> uh, because it's uh apparently taking place right here in the paddock area uh they set up some kiosks and I see some uh refreshment flowing. Chris Mcarran just walked in um and I saw Mike Pegham a moment ago, so it's uh yeah, it's turning out to be a festive evening already. Um, you know, when, that, when I first talked to you about doing the show at 5.30, uh, 7.30 your time, or that 8.30 your time, uh, I, I was thinking in the morning, which would have been fine, um, because uh, I'm out here early in the morning.
1: And then I realized, no, no, you your shows in the evening, but, uh, but that's fine. It's no problem at all. Well, listen, since you're out there, and I know you've been up in the press box, and I've been at some big races too, but usually when there's a little bit uh, closer to Kentucky than California, uh, what are you hearing from your cohorts in the press box, people that have had their eyes on a couple of the horses going over the track or that have traveled in from the east with, with horses they've been watching, training? Uh, are there any buzz horses that you've heard about? Well, you know, not not as many as uh,
2: usual. Um, uh, I think they don't trust the uh, the buzz very much. Uh, I I trust my own eyes more than that. Um, And you know, usually I I remember the the, the year that Animal Kingdom won um, the Kentucky Derby. Animal Kingdom had trained great at Churchill Downs; just great. And I remember that work he had; it was sensational. Well, after the derby, so many guys were saying they knew he was going to win because they saw him train, and I've never seen those people out in the morning in my entire life. <laughs> you know, they, 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 And and yet they were claiming that they had seen the work and they had seen how good he was and blah, blah, blah. Well, that was all nonsense. In other words, most of that buzz is just one guy hearing something and passing it along, and eventually uh it gets distorted and you never know what's true and what isn't. But actually there hasn't been a lot of buzz Uh, so far at this Breeders Cup about any particular horses. I can tell you that Game On Dude, uh, has been training, uh, sensationally here, but of course he always trains well. But his workout, uh, when was it Monday, I think? uh... was was just eye popping you know he he uh, let a uh, stable mate uh... biting heart, I think his name was break off about five links in front and uh, martin garcia dropped the uh, dropped his head about the eighth pole he just took off and caught the workmate, went right by him uh, finished well in front of him, worked five eighths and fifty nine went out uh, three quarters and about twelve he went the last quarter mile in twenty three it was sensational. But, but these are good horses. They're supposed to work like that. I thought Painter worked real well. All of Maffert's horses are doing, are doing great. And, uh, I've, uh just Fletcher's horses, uh, for the most part have only arrived the last two days. Haven't really formed an impression on them. Uh, I have heard from a couple of people I respect that the Princess of Silmar looks very good, but that's to be expected. Um, it's uh, it's it's going to be an exciting because It's got a lot of horses are out there in the mornings looking very very
1: good. Well, let's face it; these are supposed to be uh, the the best of uh, the best. And in saying so, I need to defer back to your article on on ESPN.com and and uh, your opinion of kind of that uh, John Gaines uh, might be rolling over in his grave if he if he sees what's going on right now. I'm not quoting you by any stretch. Yeah, yeah. But that was the feel I got from the story is that uh you know what what was going to be the, the World Series has kind of become uh the World Series and some very expensive allowance races. Could could you kind of tell right. our audience a, a little bit about you, how you uh well, for, you know put put that story out there?
2: Well, the original concept for the Breeders' Cup was to put together seven races, uh, each one corresponding with a championship so that the uh, races and would, would determine the championships in much the same way that a Super Bowl determines the NFL champion. And then to package those races on one afternoon for television to create a sensational day of racing. And that was the John Gaines proposal. It was audacious. But he made it fly. He was a visionary. He was a poet. Uh, he was quite a guy. And I think it only got off the ground because he was able to convince the readers in Kentucky, as well as the Eastern establishment in New York, that this was the way to go. If horse racing was going to keep up with the other sports, this was the way to go to package the sport in a way that was congenial for a national or even international television audience, and have a championship. If at that time he had said, "No, we're going to have a two-day event with 14 races," and and the event's going to stay in California, it, 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 it never would have been a Breeders Cup. No, the the breeders in Kentucky never would have gone for it. The horsemen never would have gone for it. The racetracks, the New York racing establishment, they would never have gone for such an idea. And yet somehow. That's where we find ourselves now, with two days of racing, 14 races. It was 15 races last year, and let's face it, some of these races don't have to be Breeders' Cup races. First of all, they call this event a World Championship event, that's nonsense, uh, because you know how many horses do we have from Australia or Japan or Hong Kong, um, and and also we don't even have the best of the. We don't even have the best of the European horses because now there's the British Championships, and the best of uh, uh, horses in England go there so it's hardly a world championship event anymore and uh, they they've created some races just for the Europeans and those certainly aren't championship events there's no such thing as a, a champion two-year-old turf horse um, so that now we have races that don't even correspond to championships or to titles and uh, and i think they've diluted the quality of the of the event quite a bit because there's a Philly and Mayor sprint You're no longer going to see any of those great fillies that we once saw, like Extra Heat, uh, Mia Farah, uh, run in the, um, run in the, in the sprint against the boys. Um there's affiliate mayor turf race, right? so we no longer see the great mayors on the turf, although we actually we're seeing it this year with the few who I think will probably win the turf. But um it's less likely now. Uh, so they've diluted the quality of the races, and they stretched the event out over two days. And, and I think that the event, for that reason, doesn't have quite the pop and the sizzle it once had. I remember in 1988, and John Youngster, so you remember that Breeders' Cup? It was the best day of racing I've ever seen. The day concluded with Ali Sheba and, and the darkness emerging to become the all time richest racehorse. And you also remember personal ensign getting up in the final stride to keep her unblemished record intact. The uh, greatest day of racing, I think, ever. And I was, I jail. was so emotionally, I was so emotionally uh, drained, I, I couldn't work after the event.
1: Um, I remember standing there in the mud. I didn't mind getting wet. I, I was on the ground for for those races. I was lucky enough to catch Ali Sheba as he flashed under the lights, and I was also have a series of shots where I'm looking at personal lens, and and I can go back to this day and say, there's no way she catches winning colors. It's impossible. Right. right.
2: With well, a great day of racing, I don't know if we'll ever have anything like that again. Mm-hmm. Um, but. And we we can say we were there and saw it, and, and we saw some terrific racing. But uh, I would like to see some more. And and not that you know these two days of racing are going to be outstanding. We have some great races. The Distaff is a tremendous race. The Classic is a tremendous race, and some of the other races as well. But the event is diluted. Um, and I, I think that's a little bit of a problem. Um, you know, a racetrack and the Breeders' Cup can put on million-dollar races and half-million-dollar races to surround the event on Friday, but they don't have to call them World Championship races because that's deceptive.
1: Well, I you know, also would think that some of these races would, would enhance uh some stakes cards at, at other tracks during their fall meet, um if people didn't think, well, I've got to hold back uh you know, to, to be there. Um right. I wanted to get your read on on the race that uh has potential championship uh, outcome, uh, the the race that that groupie doll is is going to be in. Because I'm hearing a lot of people say, uh, I'm just not sure she was the horse that she used to be. Uh, I I was there at Keeneland for her last race. Uh, The the, the quagmire that came up that day was, was amazing. And also, it's hard to believe that a mare as old as hers was only running six furlongs for the second time in her life. I was just trying to get your read on that race.
2: Well, I, I really don't know quite what to think of Groupy Doll this year. I remember seeing her last year and thinking that she couldn't possibly lose. She was so impressive here at Santa Anita when she worked, so impressive in the mornings. There was no way. There was just no way. She was going to get beat. And uh, I don't feel the same way this year. I've seen her. And to my eyes, you know, she's not as imposing as she was a year ago. Uh, I haven't seen her work. And certainly her races this year have not come close to duplicating her best performances of a year ago. So I I think she's very beatable. Uh, I I would love to see the old groupie doll return, but I do think that, uh, you know, she's eight to five in the morning line. If you're, if you're a betting man and we all are, I think you've got to, you've got to take a swing against
1: that. Well, and, and I think people will. Lord knows, it was certainly in, in, in the Buff Bradley camp. That in itself is a fantastic story that, that people from such a humble farm uh, would come up with, uh, you know, horses right. like Brass Hat and Groupie Doll from a small broodmare band and I know there'll be a tear in her eye when she goes through the the sales ring at Keeneland here in a, in a couple of weeks, but um, they can probably, with what they're going to make off that horse, being a small operation, uh, buy a few more nice brood mares and <laughs> and and afford a couple good good stud fees for sure. Um, other races that kind of uh, left a good taste in your mouth, the, the ones that you're looking forward to seeing.
2: Well, I'm, I'm looking forward, of course, to the staff.
1: What a great race that is. Um,
2: I, I I do think that Royal Delta will win. Um, you know, in her last race, uh, Billy Mott is a master at hitting the moment squarely, and he was aiming at the, this path, not at the Belle Dame. So if you look at the works prior to the Bell Dame, she worked at, at five-eighths in a minute and change. She worked a half and 47 and change. Prior to this race, she worked five-eighths and 59 and change, a half and 46 and change. And she looks terrific here at Santa Anita, just as she did last year. Uh, I spoke to Mike Smith this morning and, and he said, you know, that last race, that was her B race and she's going to run her A race on well tomorrow. Uh, I, I, I'm in agreement with that. I, I, I think that's what we'll see from her as she draws inside a beholder who's also a terrific Billy and she's doing great. She's going to run a big race as well. Uh, I, I think they'll go around the racetrack one, two, the entire journey.
1: Well, I thought it was very uh, kind of sportsmanlike to see Princess of uh, Silmar show up because I believe their connections probably could have just sat on their hands and uh, she'd be crowned a three-year-old champ with the sensational uh, season that she's had. And certainly she, she did beat Royal Delta. But you and uh, Eric Wing pointed out that there's probably not a guy in the business right now that can point a horse to a huge race better than Billy Mott. Right.
2: He's, he's masterful at that. I remember... Uh, at Churchill Downs, uh, I kept telling people, this is going to run it. He's going to run the race of his life. He is training so super. And, uh, of course, having seen him train all week, even I didn't expect him to win. I thought he would run well, maybe at the board, maybe a long jump possibility, but he wins the classic. Uh Because... His Hall of Fame trainer had him aimed at the moment and hit it squarely, and that's that's what he can do. And I think he's doing that with Royal Delta here. He sacrificed the Dame. I'm not saying he intentionally lost the Beldame. He thought she was good enough to win anyway without being revved up 100%. But uh, but this was the objective, and I, I think he's going to hit this squarely. Uh, Royal Delta looks good to me. And, and don't forget, and this is, I think, a very, very important factor. Uh, Santa Anita is a very speed-biased track uh last year on the friday and saturday of the breeders cup uh, front runners won 8 of the 13 races one of the closers was in the marathon a three turn race uh, it's a very speed biased track and watching races today you had to come away with the impression that it hasn't changed much because we saw horses all day today went on the front end and and I think that's going to be a factor in this Breeders' Cup as well. And that gives Royal Delta. Remember, she went to what 45 and change, 45 and four on the front end last year, and, and held on and won. And I, I think she and the Beholder are the, are the speed of the race. Now they could possibly uh, hook up if if they send Beholder, the but I can't imagine they would do that. They've been working her behind horses uh, with the possibility knowing that this could happen. So I think he's going to stalk Royal Delta and try to get her, and those two will come down to the wire together. Two great fillies. Princess of Silmar, uh, yeah, obviously, obviously a tremendous filly. But um, are they going to the well once too often? Remember, they said they were going to... They were going to stop on her after the Saratoga season. Then they went right. to the Beldame. Then they said they're going to stop on her again. And now they're coming here. It's, it's like, a, that old recording of, uh, Count Basie's April in Paris. You know, the song ends and he says one more time and they do the <laughs> last, uh, you know, a few bars again. Then he says one more, one more time. So it's not only really did it, it and it's the same situation here. Uh, only I, 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 don't think, uh, she can duplicate, uh,
1: those uh, last few notes the way Count Basie did. Yeah, and, and reading between the lines, we we know who pays the bill. I I really feel that this was an owner's decision more than a trainer's decision to get her out. Right, there.
2: and and you know the main thing is she's running against the bias. You know she's going to probably be four lengths back. Not that that's a, a huge deficit, but at Santa Anita, it can be. Uh, last year, only one horse in the Breeders' Cup races made up more than two lengths. Only one horse. And and all the Breeders' Cup races on the main track, only one winner, I should say, made up more than two lengths, and that was Goopy Doll, who was just a sensational horse, Uh, but nobody else could do it.
1: Well, there's a race that I I haven't uh, touched on with with any of the handicappers that have been on the show that I think is going to be significant uh, because it could affect uh, Horse of the Year. And that's that's the uh, $2 million Breeders' Cup mile, uh, which is going to feature Wise Dan. I think he's one, perhaps the only course uh, with pre-odds that that worries even money i have to tell you i was there uh, at keeneland for the shadwell turf mile that turned into the keeneland poly track mile on the 16th uh, something i don't think was maybe in, in their plans and i've never seen poly splash i mean gary this storm came down uh, just unbelievable. And I've spent a lot of years at Keeneland. It was the biggest storm I ever saw. They thought they were going to cancel, not cancel, but delay some of the races. And, uh, I just wonder if, if we can use the Shadwell mile as a throw out and figure that Charlie the Presti has his horse ready once again for a top effort in, in the mile.
2: I, I think so. He's come back and worked great too. He hasn't lost on the turf since 2011. Um, and that was, that was a keen on the Shabwell. And, uh, I, I think, uh, he's, he's a tremendous horse. I don't think he's slowed the step at all. Uh, Silver Max, by the way, is doing great, but Silver Max has got loose on the lead that day. That probably won't happen in the mile on Saturday because obviously, obviously he has a lot of speed. And, uh, one of the Europeans, uh, has speed. I understand though he prefers soft ground, but, uh, it, it, the, the, pace could be lively. And it looks to me like Dan is going to get the perfect trip uh, sitting just behind the speedster. So I, I look for wise Dan to, to win it. The question is, will that be good enough to make him horse of the year? And I doubt it, you know, last year was kind of a, a default, uh, uh, horse of the year award for him. Not that he didn't deserve it, but, but there were just weren't a lot of options traditionally in racing. Um, you know, that award goes to the, uh, the three-year-old who's, uh, done a great deal, beat older horses and won two-thirds of the triple crown or goes to the older horse who wins the Classic. Well, Fort Launa didn't do quite enough and then game on Dude he bombed in the Classic when he missed the break. Um, I think if game on Dude hits the board, uh, if he just hits the board in the Classic, I think he'll be Horse of the Year and deservedly so. Also last year, Wise Dan was the turf champion and the older horse, the champion older horse. And that, to me, is ridiculous because... The only reason uh, uh, there's an award for the uh, champion turf horse is to distinguish it from the champion older horse, which is given for the most distinguished horse on dirt. Traditionally, it goes to a horse that is that is the best dirt horse. And uh, when John Henry was horse of the year and champion turf horse, he wasn't the champion older horse because he didn't race on dirt, although he he, he did one year. But uh, anyway, that's for dirt uh, uh, accomplishments and not turf accomplishments. And uh, I think the voters, maybe out of ignorance or just recalcitrance, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, refuse to acknowledge that. But uh, Game On Dude should be champion older horse. And uh, this year, if he runs well, and he should be horse of the year if he uh, hits the board, Um, and Wise Dan certainly is an admirable horse, and he might get his own award
1: that would be the champion per force, but I think that still might be up in the air. Well, Gary, uh, I've got only three minutes left, and I thank you for spending so much time with us uh, today. Um, but let's, again, talk about the Breeders' Cup Classic, We're, we're the station's having a, a handicapping contest on it. Um, when you look at this race, I mean, I love Fort Larned and all of his connections, but I just don't see him getting the, the lead he did when Game on Do just kind of loped out of the gate a year ago and also ran into a little bit of trouble later on killing my ticket. Um, but then you got Mucho Macho Man, who really seems to be pretty much at the top of his game, and he only missed by a half length in this race last year. I'm kind of looking at who, who the horses you think maybe we could put underneath Game On Dude. Well, uh, uh, Ron group <laughs> by
2: the way, is out. Um, but I, I, I do think that um, uh, Moreno is going to go out there and grab the lead, and that will prevent Fort Warned from having the easy, easy pace he had a year ago. And game on dude and mucho macho man to get the perfect stalking trip right behind those two leaders. If the pace heats up a little bit, I look for, uh, Palace Malice to come running. Um, you know, he's been one of those horses that's had bad luck all year, but he's been improving. I, I do like his chances, uh, to hit the board and maybe upset, but mostly hit the board. And I like Dwayne Lucas's horse as well, uh, to hit the board for a real long shot, the European, um the declaration of war. He's interesting because as a, uh, two-year-old, he was actually in this country with Todd Fletcher, uh, for a campaign on dirt. They thought he was a dirt horse. He injured himself and went back to Europe and of course stayed there and ran well. And before coming here, they sent him to England and they worked on a course that they think or a track. They think that it was very close to a dirt track, or, uh, like an American dirt track, and he worked very, very well. So, he might be a real long-shot possibility. And I thought Painter looked tremendous the other day. He worked in company, by the way, with a horse named Flashback. You might remember Flashback. Early in the year, he was one of the uh, leading derby contenders. And Painter, I thought, outworked uh, Flashback. They were very close. But Painter, in my eye, looked a little bit the best, and Gallop Devils little more uh, strongly. So uh, I think is going to run a big race as well.
1: Oh, man. Gary West. Thank you. I always uh, have enjoyed your writing, and I'm sure I will continue for for many, many more years. Uh, All of us here at Winning Ponies, I appreciate you uh, taking your time out. And and now that you've kind of accidentally stumbled upon the press party, I hope you have a great time. Thank you, John. We'll see you later. Alright, that was Gary West, ladies and gentlemen. Just one of the top guys in the business. By the way, he's got a book out called Razo at the Races, The Diary of a Horse Player, which is absolutely hilarious book. If you, uh, if you're looking for a, a fun read, that might be the way to go because, uh, Gary's uh, just a well-respected writer and former president of the Turf Publicist. Well, that pretty much brings us to the close. want to remind everybody, go to winningponies.com, get those easy fig sheets because it is Breeders' Cup week, and don't forget, it's free, $150, uh, $75 worth of uh, credits for second place, $25 for third. We've got Wise Dan posters. we got Winning Ponies caps. It costs nothing. We had a great contest last year. Also, don't forget to put in the final time of the uh, Breeders' Cup classic. Well, that pretty much brings us to another close. It's the Breeders' Cup show. I hope wherever you are you have a slew of winners and remember,
3: bet with your head not over it.